Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'd like to introduce Lori Cantrell with Ahmed Home Health, and uh, welcome to the podcast, Lori. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And um, so we'll really appreciate you coming on. And so, and the goal always, you know, in what we do is, you know, is educating, um, you know, seniors, uh, really making sure that we can um, give them as much information as possible. Uh, And the pandemic has really changed things, hasn't it? Absolutely, it has. There have been tremendous, we have seen tremendous changes um, over the last several months. Um, We're seeing delays in seniors getting care. So when they are getting care, they're getting much sicker or they're being diagnosed. They're much sicker at that point. Um, There's quick turnaround going in and out of the hospital. So patients are coming home from the hospital much sicker. Um, they're oftentimes avoiding other levels of care that they would have um, normally obtained, such as skilled nursing or inpatient rehab. So we're seeing patients come home much sicker and needing a lot more care in the home. And do you think that's because of COVID specifically? Is that the reason that people are coming home in not in good shape and, and requiring a lot more home health care? I think we've definitely seen a change because of COVID. Um, I've had, for example, um, a patient with a fractured hip that went to the emergency room, was sent home the same day and told to return when COVID was over, Uh, taught the family how to keep the patient just mobile enough so that that hip did not set. Um, I know that sounds unbelievable but that is a true story it it sounds Um, horrible (laughs) it is it's scary and that's not to criticize our healthcare system um the initial wave of covid back in late march and early april i think everybody was you know flying by the seat of their pants literally and the facilities were they were told to not have anybody that basically wasn't covid they were expecting this huge onslaught of patients to hit um and so, I think that that's balanced a little bit now. Yeah. So so let's talk about the the different types of care that's a, that's available now. So if you've got a loved one that's um, that's sick and you may not want them to be in a facility, um, what's available out there now for our listeners so they know what to do or at least have some options when it comes to their family? Sure. So home health care was designed to be kind of that bridge from an inpatient stay uh, to home Um, historically people stayed on home health probably longer than they were supposed to or even needed to and medicare made some changes that went into effect this year to help stop some of that but because of covid we've seen a little bit of a reversal of that Um, If somebody, say, breaks a hip or has pneumonia or needs cardiac surgery or something, based on their level of functioning and the care they needed when they leave the hospital, their options 
still are to go to a skilled nursing facility, which is located within a nursing home, or to an acute rehab, which is usually freestanding. Some are within the walls of a hospital or go directly home. And what we're seeing right now is people bypassing those first two options because they're scared of COVID um, or they, one of the other reasons is they won't be able to see their family. And the, there are regulations in place right now that are prohibiting any visitors in these types of facilities. And until the government, um, the governor or the federal changes are made, that is still the case. So if you have a family member that even on hospice, it's, it's very sad right now. If somebody is on hospice and they're in a nursing facility, family can't be with them until they are literally actively dying. And then they're allowed to come in just at the very, very end. And sometimes the patient's not even aware at that point. So I think that's the most, that's probably the most devastating thing that I've seen when it came to COVID. Absolutely. Well, it breaks my heart every day. The isolation, the fact that, you know, our seniors, you know, family members can't be with the people that are, you know, as they're dying, they can't be with them. Mm -hmm. For me, that's just devastating. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I was with both of my grandparents when they passed and with my grandmother, uh, the whole family was there, you know, when she passed like the week before. So everybody got to be there with her. You know, now she didn't know we were there for the most part, I don't think, but but we got to be there and, and say our goodbyes and things like that. And I've had a lot of clients that have called the office and said, you know, you got to get me in. You know, what, what yeah. can we do? You know, this, you know, and then we've talked to clients a lot. So maybe you need to pull them out or not bring them home, you know, yeah. close to the end. You know, maybe that's an option that you may want to consider. And, um, and I'll tell you a story. My sister called me. She says, I read an article where uh, they wouldn't let this woman visit her husband in the nursing home. So she got a job as a dishwasher. Yes, I saw them. So, you know, so, I mean, it's one of those things where, can you imagine being in your 80s or something, washing dishes mm -hmm. so that you can spend time with your family? I mean, it's just, that to me, that is that was sad. And, I think there's some tough choices that people have to make right now. And I've had some conversations with my own in-laws who are in their 80s and, you know, we're seeing a lot of depression um, with, I mean, that's been on the news and it's to be expected. And that's not just in the elderly population, that's across the board. Um, but, you know, my in-laws have not allowed anybody in their house or been in anyone else's house since this started back in March. And they're not going to church. So they're doing virtual church, but they were very active people. And, you know, at some point you have to ask and, and do kind of a, a benefit analysis of, is this the right scenario? I'd rather be with loved ones for a month than be isolated for six more months of life, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, home health can offer that option. Um, it's really important for families to understand that we are not a substitute for the custodial care part of a patient's needs or a loved one's needs. Um, custodial care refers to those things that we have to do on a daily basis, bathing and dressing and meal preparation, eating, and even taking our medications, getting dressed, changing linens, housekeeping, shopping. Those are all activities of daily living. 
that is not a medical condition. So a lot of people misunderstand that their Medicare or other insurance benefits cover those needs and it does not. So, but within home health, we can provide therapy in the home. Um, it, it will not be as much as you can get going to an acute rehab. Um, I think it's a very individual decision based on the caregiver availability, the ability of the patient to live in the, or the person to live in the home that they have, whether there's other members there, a spouse or adult children living there, um, their ability to afford or qualify for other forms of custodial caregiving services um, that while they might qualify, may not actually even be available because of COVID. Um, there is a shortage of caregivers sometimes and for some agencies, not for all. Um, but nursing can come into the home and help. For instance, IV antibiotics, that's something that there's a, seems to still be a lot of misunderstanding. That is something that can be very easily done in the home um, if there's a trainable caregiver available even if that's a daughter or son that drops by once a day to hook it up or twice a day if it's ordered that way. So you can yeah. avoid. I'm not so sure I'd want to be the one that had to insert the needle. <laughs> you don't have to do that. That needle is Yay. inserted permanently <laughs> and it's called a pick line and okay. you're just there picking you up two little plastic components um, to infuse at that time. So we actually as nurses come out or we, I'm not a nurse, I am a social worker. Our nurses come out and teach the patient and supervise it and reinforce the teaching and are there for emergencies um, with it and um, change the dressing and check the, the line. And then when the antibiotics are over, that line is pulled. Okay. So there's options and Medicare made some changes actually, CMS did as the nurse for Medicaid and Medicaid. Medicare Medicaid um, did loosen some of the um, requirements around home health during COVID. Yeah. How um, has your company seen um, healthcare change for seniors during the pandemic? Well, again, Medicare did an, uh, immediately when this happened, um, change some of the rules immediately. So there's always been a requirement of a face-to-face -face evaluation um, to be done either 90 days prior or within 30 days after the initiation of services. Um, that can be done virtually. It always had to be done by a physician um, or signed off on by a physician and Medicare has now expanded that. And I understand this will be permanent to allow nurse practitioners and physician assistants to actually sign those documents going forward, which is huge. Um, and they now, homebound status has always been a criteria of receiving home health and being homebound was defined as needing assistance to leave the home. You couldn't do it frequently or easily. You needed another person or you needed equipment um, to leave the home and Medicare made risk of exposure to COVID, one of those criteria. So if we have a, if you have an, a, a parent who's in the high risk category, being over the age of 65, and they have, um, that in and of itself is a risk factor. Um, so there's, it's a lot easier to qualify during this time. 
I would imagine that that makes families feel a lot better knowing that they can lessen the risk for their loved ones by uh, having home health come in versus getting them out of the house and things like that. Absolutely. I had a case very recently. The mother was having to go every week to have labs drawn. She was receiving cancer treatment and the getting her out she was very weak getting her into the car taking her to the lab to have that drawn was exhausting but also very risky for her very risky so the husband had come on service after having to have um, an emergency orthopedic procedure and the daughter was like can you help my mom and i was like of course we can so just drawing labs is not a skill but the mother had lots of other issues going on that we were able to help address so um, we prevented her from having to make that trip every week so i think that's a great example um, i have another one of a gentleman who um, had chronic urinary tract infections and he had become symptomatic and was actually urinating blood and he called us and he was i don't want to go to the hospital because i know they're going to put me in and i'll never come back out that's what he felt we were actually able to do the right thing with the doctor get the proper orders get out there get the urine get it to the lab find out yes he had it and get him started on the proper medication and follow up with him and we kept him out of the hospital for two additional months well that's fantastic because nobody you know no one wants to go to the hospital right um, now right they want to go right now but you don't want to go anyway so you know what i'm finding is that that even though you know COVID has made things you know very problematic i think what we're going to find is there's going to be some good changes moving forward you know that we're going that's going to come out of it and so you know just having you know a physician assistant or nurse practitioner be able to sign off on things rather than mm -hmm. having to find the doctor to do it um you know that makes it easier it saves medicare some money and so because i know they're all about saving money absolutely you know but i think that the more you can give someone care with the least amount of stress on them keeps them healthier longer and lessens their medical cost. Do you see that being any kind of correlation? That's kind of a brilliant statement there. Maybe you should go run CMS. Ah, um, I know, imagine that. I, you know, I, just what has happened with virtual medicine and um, even for myself, um, I have to say I'm not super tech savvy, but I've had to do um, virtual visits as well. And wow, it's just so convenient and it makes it it's so much less expensive, I think, for everybody involved. Um, and it's not a substitute for when you need hands on, but it's a great adjunct, you know, um, and I think it will increase access. You know, one of the number one causes of readmission to the hospital is not accessing primary care. Um, for the senior population. And this has taught us, I think, a very new way of addressing that. So I hope we see physicians um, and patients want to continue forward with that. It will help, I do think, improve and reduce stress, like you said, transportation issues that are a problem, um, 
you know, it's painful for some patients to get out of their home, physically painful, and get in the car and go. And not everybody has a son or daughter that can take off work. And we found a website, um, I think it's one of Uber's, the gogograndparents.com. You can get on and have a uh, have a car pick up your parent or grandparent and take them where they need to be and then get that same car or different car to pick them up from there and take them back home. And you just go to the website to, um, you know, to start that process or, you know, just like we would normally on our app find, you know, find an Uber. The website does it for so you can do it for someone else. And so I haven't tried it yet, but that's brilliant. Really, yes, I've heard really good things about it. And so because a lot of times, um, you know, me, I was so fortunate that I had my own law practice when my grandparents were declining because I dictated my own schedule. So I worked around the doctor visits. I worked around buying groceries. I worked around a lot of those things that made it easier for me. Right. But you see a lot of people don't have the luxury right. of you know, they, they work for someone else. It makes it a lot more difficult. Um, you know, so I, I appreciate it. And I think I saw something that came through my email from my insurance company talking about doing more telemed and, Hey, this is available. We want you to use it. And so, and I'm kind of old school though. I want to go see my doctor. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, I want him to look at me. I mean, really, right. you know, so. But, well, again, it's not going to be a substitute for all the hands-on that's needed, but um, I think there's times my daughter developed uh, or came down with strep last month and um, it's amazing cameras on the computer could clearly show the spots on her throat. Now we still had to get COVID tested and strep tested at a drive through lab, which was very convenient um, with our physician group that we use, but um, it was kind of nice. She was running a fever and she felt horrendous and it, it was it was nice not to have to go sit in the waiting room and, and yeah. now she's an adult now she's 20 but still mom <laughs> i'm talking about her like she's 10 but that's okay um, they're always going to be our babies oh they, they are they are most you know, definitely without, and so without a doubt and, and i think you know there's options for patients right now outside of avoiding seeking proper health care and home health is it's pretty easy to get um, you know, there's certain criteria again that have to be met in terms of there being a skill that we're performing. Um, we have to be there for a, a particular reason. But um, can, you know, give our listeners some examples of that. Maybe because maybe they don't know what kinds of things may be. Um, they may not even be thinking about these are some options that I can get home health to come in for. Okay. Um, I, I'll give you a couple of just really recent cases um, that we've had that are coming from the community to the home. So um, exacerbations of infections um, where the doctor can order the labs without, normally those patients would have been sent to the ER, they would have been admitted to the hospital, they would have stayed two or three days and IV antibiotics would have been set up and the PICC line inserted patient sent home. Um, an actual, this is an actual friend of mine. Her mother had a severe UTI, didn't respond to oral antibiotics. They did exactly that. They did the lab work, got it tested. She went to an outpatient place to get her line inserted and everything was done without her ever having to walk into the hospital. And she's now on IV antibiotics for three weeks. And our nurses, 
you know, went out the first couple of days, trained the family how to do it. And we go out and change the line every week or the dressing. And if they have a problem, they call us, we go out. Um, I have another patient who's having rapid weight loss. Um, the daughter's extremely concerned. She's not taking the medication properly. She's had some change in mental status and she has some medical conditions that could be contributing. Maybe it's isolation and depression starting. We can come in and do some medication teaching um, and be another set of eyes that are identifying. Um, it, we won't be able to stay long in this scenario, but we can help assess and determine. And it may be that this patient or this person can no longer be alone. That may be the outcome of this, but it may also be that we figure out that there's confusion going on from X, Y, and Z that we can help resolve. So well, really yeah. sounds like, and I'm pretty sure listeners would probably feel the same way that, um, that home health care has come a lot, a long way to help keeping people home and safe these days, as far as, you know, providing a lot of the necessary medical, um, you know, testing and things like that, that you would have had to go to the hospital for, um, that they're now able to do at home. We can actually get, you can get x-rays in the home, ultrasound in the home. There's a lot of services that can come to the home right now. Um, even swallow studies for patients who may be choking, they've had strokes in the past or Parkinson patients. There's a lot of services that can um, come to the home. I do want to, I want to point out real quickly though, that I gave you two examples of um, patients who could avoid going to the hospital, but we are definitely seeing profoundly sick patients at home. And I do mean, um, you know, they're calling home health right now. There's been some articles written and published recently. Are we the new skilled nursing facility? Are we the new inpatient rehab? Are we the new hospital? Um, I actually read an article yesterday that talked about providing hospital level care in the home. And there's a, a trial going on where they're actually, the hospital is sending staff into the home. So on um, certain types of patients. So instead of bringing them in, they're doing it at home, which is completely different than home health but we are able to take very complex wounds and teach patients about their heart failure. So patients that maybe, again, because of isolation, they've developed some altered mental status. Um, depression can cause that, poor diet can cause that, change in the overall environment can cause changes in mental status. And sometimes us being there can help figure that out. So it's a variety of scenarios. Yeah, we see clients in the office sometimes and they're worried that their parents are, are declining mentally because of, um, you know, they've seen them and they, they're starting to notice changes and things like that. And I always send them out to do two things. Um, a, I said, uh, make sure they're not dehydrated, you know, so call the doctor, have them checked, you know, that kind of stuff. And then UTI is another great big, you know, reason that people's mental health status declines as well, that we see a lot in seniors. And, um, and so, so a lot of times you're, you know, they're panicking, thinking that they're, um, you know, they're getting yeah. Alzheimer's, you know, when really it's just a medical condition that can be treated very easily. And so, you know, you were, you were so spot on with that. My mother, um, who, um, and I wish I'd known you at the time because I did need the services of an estate attorney when um, I went through this with my own mom, but my mother would actually become acutely psychotic with uh, UTI. 
And I got, after I moved her to Texas, I got so good at predicting them. The doctor would actually, she goes, I'm just going to go ahead and prescribe it. But after like the third one, I would always um, be able to predict about two days before lab would could show that she had bacteria in her urine because she, she would have such an acute mental status change. But I actually thought the same thing. She had developed um, a serious dementia and it was chronic UTIs. So their infections can, can change patients dramatically or change people dramatically or the elderly for sure. Yeah, we talked to them about, uh, you know, infections, dehydration, if they've had surgery, anesthesia, you know, it takes a while yes. to come out of the fog, you know, so little things like that. And so it sounds like that, that Medicare has really improved, um, you know, the access to, to medica medical care these days, which is, you know, easier. I do like, you know, thinking that, hey, I can get my hospital type care. I mean, I know that's a little more than you are doing right now, but just think about mm -hmm. the possibilities for your agency and other ones. If you're looking at what can we do more in the home, because everybody everybody knows you always get better faster mm -hmm. in the home than you do in the hospital. And so besides the, the things we talked about earlier with, you know, the nurse practitioners and physician assistants, what else has Medicare done to improve the, the access to home care right now? Um, I, well, I guess just hitting on those three things, the definition of homebound has been relaxed a little bit. The um, ability for nurse practitioners in um, PAs to write and sign the orders, and that's going to be ongoing. The big thing that we're still waiting on Medicare to rule on is the use of telemedicine in home health. And what we had to do, and very few agencies out there are taking COVID cases. And just for perspective, in the Harris County and greater Harris County area, there are well over um, 800 agencies and 1,500 if you include all their branches in the greater Houston area. So we're talking a large number of agencies. Most are not taking COVID and a lot of them don't take complex patients. My agency is taking COVID patients on a case-by-case -case basis, by the way. So that is an option for recovery as well. And we do get some patients that are still actively COVID. They have not yet um, had a negative test, but they are not sick enough to have to stay in the hospital. They're still very sick, but they are able to come home. And um, we saw a lot of patients coming, trying to send them home early to make bed space for others. But the use of telemedicine for those patients has not yet happened. Medicare is not paying for that. Um, it would be a very expensive endeavor um, for home health agencies to purchase the equipment to do that. We, we don't get um, reimbursed for the use of that right now. But on a, if we have a COVID patient come home from the hospital, we will send nursing into the home. We have a COVID team, but we are not sending, we actually have a therapist now willing to go. Um, but it's literally on a case-by-case -case basis because you have to have staff willing to expose themselves and risk exposing their families. So we're fortunate enough to do that. So we're all hoping um, that Medicare is going to approve or CMS is going to approve the use of telemedicine and what CMS does, you know, most insurance companies follow with. But uh, so yes, they've improved access. Um, I mean, Medicare had pretty good access to begin with. Um, the other insurance companies and the Medicare replacements um, are, 
there is a process to get approved, get your visits approved. Um, but we're hoping to see that uh, approved in the near future because that will make it also much better for patients. Be a lot easier to triage emergencies and keep them yeah. from going back to the hospital if they call at night, for instance. Yeah, I think the the better you can do preventative, the easier it is down the road to to you know to maintain better health. And so, hopefully, you know, uh, CMS, uh, our legislators, you know, when they uh, can you know decide on something, uh, can actually be. Uh, you know, helpful in the sense of, you know, kind of pushing for those things moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. That's really, really helpful. And so I do want to also praise CMS, though, or, you know, with this, the stimulus package that was pushed through, there was a lot of additional money put into healthcare to protect the seniors and money that was sent to the agencies um, for home health. And I, I can't speak to everything else, but to other entities in the healthcare arena as well, um, to help make sure that we had funds to buy PPE, that we had the ability to keep our staff working so that we could be there to take care of patients. So um, I do have to say, I think the government's response on that end was, it was good. It did, um, it helped. It definitely helped. Um, well, if the one thing I can tell you is to tell those people that are taking care of those patients with COVID, thank them uh, and yeah. thank their families because that that has to be a little traumatic on the family as well, knowing that you've got a loved one that could potentially be exposed. And Absolutely. So the rest of us are, like I said, eternally grateful because you you're always grateful that somebody's is willing to step up and be that person. And so, so I really commend your agency for doing that. That's awesome. Thank you. I will pass that on to those frontline people doing that. Absolutely. Tell them we couldn't appreciate them more. And so, but for those uh, listeners out there that uh, might want to um, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, use your services and um, could you um, give the phone number for us? Sure. My office number is 713-941. 2115. Again, 713-941-2115. And we do have offices throughout the city. Um, I'm in particular located up north. Um, but I'm happy to answer any questions anytime. So, well, Lori, I just want to appreciate so much you coming on the podcast today and, and really educating um, our seniors because it's so important these days to make sure that we're doing all the right things to help them get good information and good information. We always want them to. Well, thank you for helping um, make sure that happens. That's always been, as a social worker for 30 years in the Houston community, it's always been my goal is to have good, accurate information disseminated. So yeah. thank you. We see a lot of clients come in the office that get a lot of bad information. Yes. So we want them to have good information. and so. Anyway, thank you so much. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. And um, and we look forward to seeing you again in the future. Thank you. Stay healthy. Uh, you as well. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens.